athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. You got it locked to the dopest show on radio. I am your host, Donald Ware. Big football game Thursday night between Benedict and Fort Valley State. I talk about it extensively in the HB or on the HBCU football daily podcast that came out on Friday. You can log on to BoxToRow.com to download or listen to the podcast or you can watch on the Box to Row YouTube channel. Look, we are jam-packed today on the program. Joining us in this segment here on Box to Row Grambling, state head football coach Hugh Jackson. Tigers dropping a heartbreaker to Alcorn State, but you still have that mix in the Western Division. Right now, only one loss for Alcorn State Southern and Grambling. Uh, and Prairie View A&M, so all of those teams right there. Uh, so, again, the head football coach at Grambling, Hugh Jackson, going to join us on the program. The H- Also joining us today here on the program, Mike Loxley, the head football coach at the University of Maryland, going to join us on the program. The Terps sit at 5-1 and one on the season, coming off the loss to Ohio State, but it's homecoming in College Park and right in front of the Terps is a winnable game in Illinois. Also joining us today here on the program for those that watch Power Book 4, Force on Stars every week, the role of Diamond is played by Isaac Keys. Isaac Keyes is a Morehouse graduate, also played in the National Football League. Again, plays the role of Diamond on Power Book for Force. He's going to join us today here on the program. He's also going to be our celebrity guest picker. Let's highlight the HBCU National Players of the Week, Aaron Allen, the quarterback from Alcorn State. Three touchdowns, 248 yards in the Braves' victory over Grambling. Kamani Clark, the running back for Virginia State, four rushing touchdowns in the Trojans' victory over Bowie State. And, of course, for more information on these two gentlemen, you can log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. It's homecoming in Grambling, Louisiana. The Tigers are going to host homecoming on Saturday as Alabama A&M comes to Grambling in his second season. As the head football coach of the Grambling Tigers is Hugh Jackson. The Tigers are 3-3 three and three on the season as he joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Jackson, welcome to the program. 
Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Your thoughts, uh, a tough loss, very tough loss, a Western Division game in the SWAC. Your thoughts uh, on the game against Alcorn State? Uh, no, I thought, um, you know, our guys fought extremely hard. Uh, it was very humbling not coming out with the win. Um, we, um, we understand that there's some things we need to do better offensively, defensively, and special teams-wise. And, you know, hats go off to Alcorn, but um, we got to get ready for a big game this week here at home. It's homecoming. Uh, but we thought, you know, we left one out there. We let one get away from us a little bit. So um, we were chomping at the bit to go play again this weekend. Yeah, this this Western Division, I mean, it looks like it's going to come down to the wire once again. Last year was decided on the last day of the season. Can you speak to how tough it is overall in the SWAC, but specifically in the Western Division? Well, it's rough. I mean, there's some really good um, coaches, really good players, uh, good teams. As you see, like you said, it's kind of jam-packed right now, and somebody's got to separate themselves at some point in time. And uh, the, the thing I love the most is that we're right in the thick of it and we got to keep playing and go find a way to continue to win. Your thoughts on where your team sits at the midway point of the season? Uh, well, obviously I wish our record was a little bit better, that part. Uh, we wish we have done better. I think we're getting better. I think we've gotten better on defense. I didn't think that was one of our best performances offensively. I think uh, special team-wise, we've, we've been somewhat consistent but still needing to grow in some areas. But I feel good about heading down the stretch here. Uh, I think um, our quarterback is going to continue to improve. I think our offense will be who we've been all year. And I think our defense is really starting to hit their stride. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Miles Crawley. Okay, maybe not the best game. But, I mean, if you look at the – against Alcorn, but if you look at the overall uh, numbers – I mean, 11 touchdowns to four interceptions. He's passing for over 224 yards uh, per game. You mentioned he's improving. Your, your thoughts on, you know, where he currently sits? No, I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. I, I don't run from that at all. I think he's done a really good job of, um, you know, acclimating himself into our culture, um, running our offense, uh, getting the ball to the playmakers that are on our football team. So we're glad we have him. But we also understand that just there's a whole other level that our guys got to perform at, and uh, we're expecting him to get there. And you've you've got to feel pretty good about the way in which you've run the football so far this season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we do. We feel good about where we are and what we've done from that standpoint, and uh, we think that uh, what we have to do is uh, continue to improve. I think there's another level for our football team, and we just got to get there. Hugh Jackson in his second season as the head football coach at Grambling joins us here on Box to Row. Your thoughts, uh, Coach Jackson, on what it's going to take to come out with the homecoming victory against Alabama A&M? Well, I think what we have to do is um, do a great job of handling all the distractions first. As you know, homecoming week at the HBCU schools, there's a lot that go on, but we think we got a first handle that part well. We think the key will be obviously uh, taking care of the football, uh, being able to uh, do everything we can to slow down that high uh, potent offense that Alabama A&M has uh, for us to control the clock. Because I think it's going to be really important that we stay on the field, score points, and keep their offense on the sideline. You know, this is, I mean, you've been a head coach in the National Football League. It's your, you know, your first stint as a head coach. 
on the collegiate level at a prestigious uh, institution uh, such as Grambling, particularly when it comes uh, to football. What does it mean to you to be the head coach there at Grambling? Well, it means a ton. I mean, obviously one of the greatest coaches that ever coached a game worked here, and I'm trying to do everything I can to help restore uh, the legacy that's been built here. I mean, there's been some tremendous football players that have played here, four Hall of Famers, um, just to name a few. You know, you talk about Doug Williams and Shaq Harris, who are two very standout names in the National Football League. So you're representing all these great players, these great people that have been here. So I want to do my part in helping restore, and it means a world. It means the world to me to be here as the head coach. Hugh Jackson, again, the head football coach at Grambling, joining us here on the program. How much – I mean, I knew you had had some college experience uh, previous to the National Football League. How, how much – you know, what? how much did you know about HBCUs kind of coming in? Obviously, you had the stint as the offensive coordinator there at Tennessee State prior to the job at, uh, at Grambling. But maybe, I don't know, what kind of thoughts did you have on, on HBCUs and then what are you kind of finding out – as you move forward as the head football coach at Grambling? Well, what I'm finding out, there's some tremendous coaches and players, and there's big-time football being played in the HBCUs, and I think we need to get that out there more. I think there's uh, players that can play at the next level. I think there's coaches that can coach at the next level. They just need that opportunity. But what I've seen from Tennessee State to here is just how competitive the games are and how you know the excitement, the culture – Everything that goes with the HBCUs is real, and I think people would be amazed if they spent more time checking on what the HBCU scene looks like from a football standpoint, from a culture standpoint, and from a game day standpoint. You know, a lot made it during your time, specifically more recently in the National Football League with, you know, certainly with the Cleveland Browns. Do you feel like you know, you you were treated fairly during your time in the National Football League. You know, it's behind me, so I'm not going to dive into that. I'm excited about being here and uh, can't wait to keep getting this program better. No doubt about it. Um, moving forward in, in terms of, uh, you know, looking uh, – and I, don't, I know you don't want to look ahead. You're, you're concentrating uh, on Alabama A&M. But, you know, what do you think sort of – what are some of the things you, you want to work on uh, with your team during that uh, during that bye week? I think it would be is just finding out, you know, going back and self-scouting who we are, uh, what we've done well, so we continue to build on those things and find out the things we didn't do well to see if we need to throw them out or, uh, or improve them. You know, and I think fundamentally it's always a time to get better as a football team. We talked about the offense, and you had, of course, uh, Mr. Anderson, Sundiata Anderson, as the preseason defensive player of the year. Your thoughts on his play and how the defense has played so far this year? No, I think he's coming on. I mean, obviously, I think he started out a little slow. I think he'd be the first to tell you that. But I think he's gotten hot the last couple of weeks. And I think Lewis Matthews has had a great, great year. Uh, I think our defense is, is starting to uh, play football the way we know we can play, which will help complement our whole football team as we move forward. Hugh Jackson again in his second season as the head football coach at Grambling joins us here on Box to Row. The Tigers, again, homecoming in Grambling, taking on Alabama A&M. Coach Jackson, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Tigers. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Grambling State head football coach, 
Hugh Jackson joining us here on the program. You can react to anything that Hugh Jackson had to say. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W, still to come. Maryland head football coach Mike Loxley. But up next, we're going to be joined by actor Isaac Keys. He plays the role of Diamond in Power for Force. We'll talk about that now because we're not going to talk with him about it due to the, we're not going to talk with him specifically about that role because of the strike by the actors. So again, Isaac Q is going to join us next here on Box to Row. Keep it locked. Yo, what's good? This is your boy Big Daddy Kane for those that can spell it. B-I-G-D-A-W-D-Y-K-A-N-E. Drop some smooth lyrics. It's 88. Time to set it straight. And you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Rappers stepping to me. They want to get some. But I'm the Kane, so yo, you know the Aggies, you don't want to miss any games this season. Saturday, October 21st is a special game as the Aggies take on the University of Richmond. It's also Ag and State Fair Day. If you love the State Fair, then you'll love this game. And they will have a special treat. Join them for the ultimate tailgater cook-off judged by Pitmaster's own Mo Kaysen. Participating sponsors will be offering carnival games, giveaways, and more in honor of Agriculture Day. The fun kicks off at 1 p.m. Get your tickets by visiting ncataggies.com. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitby, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. All Weaver Street Markets. Harris Teeter. Food Lion. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, and Barica Soul. The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal. Up close and personal. With the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Here's the man to bring it to you. Donald Ware. Let's keep things moving here on the program. Joined by a gentleman, as a matter of fact, he's he's an actor. And, and uh, as you know, the actors are currently on strike, so we're not going to talk about the show he's on. But those that are watching will know what show uh, I'm talking about. And those, you know, those that are listening will try to enable for you to figure it out. Played six seasons in the National Football League. He's a graduate of Morehouse HBCUs in the building. He's got this shirt on right there. Played football at Morehouse, uh, of course. We are joined by Isaac Keys. What's going on, Isaac? Welcome to the program. 
Hey, man, thank you. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, it's a great intro. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, you know, to chop it up with you. So, and, fan, you know, people out there, they, they figure it out. They smart. They they do their research. So I have no problem about them figuring out about the show. Yeah, this show. And we'll, we'll keep it like that because we want to respect what you and your com- your your comrades, if you will, are trying to do yeah. uh, with this. Of course, the writers are, are back to work now, and hopefully you all will be um, soon. Speak to the importance. I, 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 you know, I've, I've seen your Instagram posts and so forth. I've heard you talk about this. Speak to the importance of this strike. Well, as you mentioned, you tapped into it. It's the say after, we know, we're standing strong, and that's our actors' union. Um, right now, the writers have just ended their strike. And we stood in solidarity with them and they're still standing in solidarity with us. But we were happy that they got their their part done because they're making strides. And I think some of the main points about this strike is, you know, some of the things is, is the residuals. Um, a lot of things right now we're going to streaming networks and that writers and actors are not seeing their due in the residual aspects. And, and that why that's important is because when it comes to streaming, the residuals are completely different than others for like. Uh, prime TV, supposed to see NBC, CBS, but right now, as everybody knows, the most platforms are moving on to streaming. And with streaming being as such, a lot of times writers and actors are held into exclusive contracts to where they can only work on one show at a time in some situation of the contract. So that means that when you're out of work for those next six months, you can't necessarily work on certain things. So you live off the residuals that you may work, make off of a show. And you know, so when you be locked in, if how these contracts work. So, you know, that part, but a lot of times, you know, you see not actors not working, it's because they're able to live off the residuals and we're not going to just do on that. Then it's going to, you know, put you in a stand a standstill. And as you know, we're on strike, but those bills aren't on strike. And, you know, and it's not just about actors who you see on TV all the time, you feel like they're making a lot of money. It's about all of us, everybody from the, from the top down to the guys and girls that were just starting. So, you know, it's important to have the residual aspect. Also, AI, AI is coming in, you know, it's coming in whether we like it or not on all platforms and you know ai they can use your likeness if you don't protect yourself they can use your likeness for a lifetime and you know if that case you're not getting you're just doing that aspect so we need to protect ourselves on that Healthcare, healthcare has not been changed in since the 80s the amount that producers had to put into the pot to help you know in our union because in actors what you understand some people don't understand is that for us to have our health care you have to make a certain amount of money to make to be assured to have a certain type of plan in your health care so if you're not working, if you're not receiving residuals like that, then you don't meet that plan. So then you have to seek healthcare out, outside of that, which can be very pricey as well. Those are probably three main points. And I think there's, a, there's also some more, but you know, we, we, those are the kind of three point, main points that we're really fighting for. And I think we're making strides. I think what's interesting is you've seen a side of this as a former National Football League player, yeah. um, as a matter of fact. And when I hear you speak about it, it takes me back to the – I can't remember if, when you were playing if there was a strike, but there has been a strike since you, yeah, you know, were sure. playing. So kind of speak to that. It, it, this is this is it's important, but this is very, very, and you speak as such, very, very mm-hmm. important to you. The, the people at the top in the studios and, and the NFL teams, the owners like that, they are making a, a substantial amount of money. And, you know, they do their best to keep that money and just keep everyone else just happy. But as these contracts come up, it's just the evolution of the game. It's the evolution of acting and, and streaming that things have to change. And I think it's only right to change because there is room. You know, it, it's room. It's almost upsetting that people don't want to share some of the pot, that people, the pot holders don't want to share some of the pot and they give you enough just to keep you happy at that moment or seem like you're getting something. But there's so much more, especially with the, like you say, in football, players putting their lights on the line. And our unions, like NFLPA, uh, have done a great job of starting to 
really tap into those to try to give those resources to former and active players because you're putting your life on the line and once it's over with what are you going to do after that who's helping you with your health care after that who's helping you you know find a you know find a job after that and people think that oh well you made so much money well there's thousands of people in the nfl right now that have the chance to make it one percent but that doesn't mean everybody's making a substantial amount of money those guys run around on kickoff special teams like players like myself or jumping around with practice squad, active roster, or make a substantial amount of money, you end up this game, you know, the NFL stands for not for long. So you end up out the game at 30 years old trying to figure your life out. Helping with those resources, just trying to help you keep your life on track. Just, you know, all the stuff you give on the field, helping us to get stuff off the field to be able to keep our lives on track. And I think it's important to have these unions, even in the corporate world, that can help, you know, the, 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 the corporate the workers and, you know, the worker bees. So I think it's important on also, and I'm glad and proud of SAG after all this actors standing strong and solidarity to really make this happen, to get to the table to make some changes. Sure. seems like you've always understood it that this way, as particularly as a former player in the National Football League. Did, did you, in fact, because to your point, you may not have been making sort of the money in the National Football League at the time that you played. So, I mean, do you have, I guess my, my question is, seems like you have a, maybe a better understanding of that and the infrastructure now between the owners, if you will, and then the, the persons that are, you know, that are, are doing the work. Uh, you seem like you have a better understanding of that now, but you had that previous understanding having played in the league. I think the understanding comes from being a team player, knowing a role. Like, you know, you know, of course, it, you know, you have your, your leaders of a team. Now, I used to be a leader of my team in college. Of course, when I went to NFL. I learned my role from there and who's the leaders excuse me, of those teams. I think that when you know your role and you are a team player, you understand that you may not have the same levity as someone else as on the team, but at the same time, if they support you and you know and, and, and believe in you, it's like, okay, we're a team. So we need to stand together to be able to make some changes. Everybody doesn't feel that way. Sometimes you may say, well, I may not have the same feeling, but my team is doing it. You know, my team is involved in it. So what's different is in actors, you know, it's kind of, we have to come together as a team. We're not put together as a team, but you know, when you work on a show such as the show uh, that I work on now on other shows, I'm so close with my castmates that I know that if we sit down and have a conversation and say, Hey, we need to change something, then we'll stand together. That's what I hope. So I think that's how the team is kind of formed, you know, an aspect from the SAG after side as well as coming from the NFL side. Actor Isaac, he's former National Football League player as well, and Morehouse graduate, joins us here on the program. Speak to Isaac how you made the transition from uh, a, a, a national football or a, a professional football player to acting. Wow, yeah, I need to take a sip of water before we go into that one. All right, that's all, all good, man. It's all good. Um, no, I think. That's one of the biggest things and, and probably one of the, the hardest parts of any athlete, but I think anybody can relate to that. Uh, when you're, you're doing something for over 15 to 20 years or like that, and then all of a sudden you have to make a change. And, you know, especially if it's not a change that is made on your terms, it puts you in a position of like, okay, what am I getting ready to do now? And that, that, that thought can be very scary at the time. You know, it can be very, you know, say intimidating. Um, I think what I found and some other people have found when I had these conversations with people is that it's hard to find that same passion into something else, you know, that you had from that initial job. So I started playing football when I was seven years old and I played all the way up until 30, 31, where 
I still am still holding on. Like I'm not getting fighting with teams to to try to you know pick me up, or I'm going over to Canada to try to play a year over there to get back into the NFL. And you you still you're still fighting. And it's, it's it's almost like having a bad relationship. They treat you well sometimes, but you love them so much that you keep on coming back, even though you can't grasp the whole relationship, and you just keep holding on. You know, you tell your friend, you're like, hey, it's really not good for you. I see it's changing. You need to you know move on. Well, you can talk to that person blue in the face until they realize it themselves. So my transition was sort of like that in the sense where I didn't know what I was going to do. Acting wasn't the first thing that popped up. I didn't know anything about acting. Even when I was playing football, I wasn't necessarily, um, you know, pursuing acting saying, hey, that's my next step. I was giving so much into football that it was hard for me to think about what's the next thing I'm going to do. And, you know, I felt like a lot of players have, have felt that and a lot of people, you know, in any other position that felt that. So acting kind of found me. Um, because I just saw something in it that was not mundane. It was creative. It was one of those things that was like, it was always different, but it was also me starting completely over, just like football. I had to go into and say, and seek acting classes, move out of Phoenix, Arizona, because Arizona was my last team, move out of Arizona because there was no market for acting, and then move to LA. And I was starting completely over. Now, my transition was different because I didn't leave the league with you know, a certain amount of money. I actually left the league, unfortunately, in uh, probably a broke state, and I'm not afraid to say it. And it, it happened because I was doing things with real estate. It was 2008, the market crashed, you know, and I had these houses I was trying to flip and turn and things like that, and me not knowing a lot of information, mm. me not knowing and doing the research, knowing I can let those houses go. Instead, I was using my money, the money I had there to try to keep the houses flow. Because when I came up, I was like, foreclosure, that's terrible. You don't never let that happen. You don't let the flip. But when it comes to real estate game, let it go, move on. You'll build your credit and stuff back up. Mm. Not knowing those things, I started completely over. I stayed on my cousin's couch in LA, let go of my house in Arizona. And I just, it, it put me back in a grind mode. And I think that grind mode was important because it put me in a mode where I had to be hungry again. It was frustrating at times, but hungry again and be able to try to make something else out of nothing, especially another career that is not very forgiving. It's not, you know, it's, it's not a career that's just easily given to you overnight. And one thing mentally I had to do was relinquish and release football. I left at a bitter state. I left at a state from football where it's like, I felt like football didn't give me everything that I deserved out of it. I felt as though coaches would tell me, Isaac, you're better than the starters. You're better than the guys in front of you. But we drafted them. We picked you up as a free agent. Mm -hmm. So we it doesn't make sense in the front office for us to put you in this position at some time. Mm. See, it's not that you can't play. It's about finding the niche and organization that will allow you to succeed and to accelerate. You know what I mean? And that's what it's kind of about. You see all these players that get released. There's thousands of, of hundreds and hundreds of players that are very good, but you're still about finding that niche, finding that team that's going to be in there and, and timing, you know, and sometimes that, those things don't always align. So I left a little bitter in football and I was holding that back, holding, using that holding and the acting kind of saved me. Acting was my therapy at the time. We didn't know about therapy when I came out. Acting was my therapy and helped me release and substitute all those feelings I had inside and be able to put those into different characters and the scenes. We're talking with Morehouse graduate, actor, former National Football League player Isaac Keys here on the program. Keep it locked. We've got more with Isaac Keys. This is your weekly edition of the HBCU Blitz powered by Box to Row. I'm Donald Ware. First, I'm going to take you to Jacksonville, Florida for the SIAC matchup between Edward Waters and Lane. 
We're going to pick things up late in the first half. Edward Waters with the 17-14 lead and possession. Russell will take the snap. Delay draw. Handoff to Hugey. Hugey trying to get outside and does. Hugey with a head of steam. Spins up the tackles and he will walk into the end zone. Touchdown, Edward Waters. Just the individual effort there by Deshaun Hugey goes in from 26 yards out. The point after touchdown was no good, but the Tigers held the 23-14 lead. Now we're going to move all the way to the third quarter with about four minutes remaining. Score still 23-14. Edward Waters with the lead. Lane with possession. Under center goes Gaston, takes a snap. Turn, hand to the back, left side. First down and more. He's going to walk into the end zone for a touchdown. Jamarcus Banks. From 12 yards and the Dragons pulled to within 23-21. to But Lane wasn't finished, looking to cap the game off early in the fourth quarter. Shotgun formation for Russell. Takes the snap. Back to pass. Looking left, throwing far side for a man. It's touchdown. touchdown, Edward Waters! Nathan Rimbert's got touchdown number two on the day. My man, Joshua Jackson on the Edward Waters Sports Network. 41-yard touchdown pass and catch as Edward Waters defeated Lane 37-30. to don't look now, but the Tigers are just one game back in the SIAC. Now to Baton Rouge, Louisiana for interdivision swag matchup between Florida A&M and Southern. Let's pick things up late in the first half with Southern trailing 7-6, to six, looking to take the lead. Blood. Going deep, got a man, and he's going to hit him, and he's going to score for Southern. Big play from Harold Blood. Touchdown, Southern University. The lights are out, and they're back on. Big play for the Southern offense. 72 yards to Chandler Whitfield on the reception, and the Jaguars regained the lead at 12-7. to Then came the extra point attempt. Kick is blocked by Florida A&M, and they're going to scoop this ball up. He could get two points on it if he continued to run. He's at the 50, at the 30, the 20, the 10. It looks like Florida A&M may get two points out of this. The Rattlers did indeed get two points to cut their deficit to 12-9, to and the Rattlers took the lead with six seconds remaining in the half on a Kobe Gross six-yard touchdown run. There was no scoring in the third quarter, so we're going to move to the fourth quarter. Just under 12 minutes remaining. Southern on the one-yard line, looking to punch it in and regain the lead. On a fourth and one, as they got motion, the give is up the middle, and he's hit, hit, hit at a one-yard line, but they call it touchdown, Southern. C.J. Russell with the touchdown, and the Jaguars regain the lead at 19-16 to with 7.21 remaining in the fourth. A Michael Smith, 44-yard field goal for the Rattlers, tied the game at 19 apiece. Now, let me take you inside of three minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. Florida A&M with possession, looking to regain the lead. Jeremy Musa, and he's looking, fires, complete, and he's going to score. Touchdown, fam, you. 12 yards to Jamari Gassett, and the Rattlers had the 26-19 lead. One more opportunity for the Jaguars. The clock is ticking. 17 seconds. Blood back to pass. Look, look, look. Fires deep. Fires deep. And it's a power that's contended. 
and it's going to be incomplete. Melvin Bill on the FAMU Radio Network. Florida A&M held on to defeat the Jaguars 26-19. The Rattlers remain undefeated in SWAC play for the Jaguars, their first loss in SWAC play. We're at the midway point of the HBCU football season, and on the weekend edition of Box to Row, we're going to catch up with Grambling head football coach Hugh Jackson and Morehouse grad, actor, and former National Football League player Isaac Keys will join us as our celebrity guest picker. Box to Row, the radio show, airs weekly on radio stations across the country. For more information, log on to Box to Row. We're back here on Boxer Row talking with actor Isaac Keys here on the program. A really good conversation. And Isaac, man, you said a lot right there. Something I want to get back to. You did. (laughs) Something because I've I've been really on this HBCU and free agency player sign. Mm -hmm. But you said something that may make me think a little bit about that. But let let me, let me, how, how difficult at the time, was it for you when you were, I mean, obviously now you probably look back and said, Hey, it was, it was a good thing. Maybe, maybe it was a good thing because it's gotten me to this point, but how difficult was it for you at that time when you, you know, trying to be in real estate and it just wasn't working out and you had to sleep on, I think you said your cousin's uh, couch. It was my rock bottom. And I don't say that to be like, Oh, I played a victim. I said that at the time that it was my rock bottom. Like I literally called my parents, like, and and it took me a long time to do it. Call my parents to ask them for money because I could only had fifty dollars in my account at the time. And it's because it was over a period of time where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna fix this, I'm gonna fix this, I'm gonna fix this. Didn't know how to fix it. So now you come into a desperate mode. I was literally driving in my car one time, I went to church. Something you know, you when you go to church, you want to hear the word. You gotta get that word, it's gonna give you that uplift. And I wanted to hear, I needed him to speak to me, the pastor to speak to me that day. I went to church and I remember being in church. Anxious, like give me their words. I can feel it just to give me that motivation, like that pregame speech or whatever, like that from the coach. And I didn't receive it. And I remember being angry, you know, that I didn't receive this word, this uplift that I needed at the time. I got in my vehicle, you know, I still had a a nice vehicle. I'm driving my car. I literally started crying and laughing at the same time in the car. I'm laughing at myself because like, boy, why are you crying? But at the same time, I'm crying. I'm just so hurt and angry inside of and feeling ashamed of where I'm at at this point. You know, this is before I got into the acting. This is like when I'm trying to figure it out about the football. I'm like, I'm angry. These teams aren't calling me. I'm angry at the, at the Cardinals because they didn't put me on active roster more. So I've been hit, you know, that. But yet the coach telling me, like, I, we should have had you on active roster more. Well, that should have, could have thing is the difference in my life right now. You know, so it's like, that's hurtful. So I'm angry. I'm just built up with angry. I'm not an angry person, but all this stuff is built up. So that was when before mental health and all these things involved right now with depression, anxiety, and you know, where that was people even discussing that they weren't. So all I knew was to suppress it, go work out or just, you know, and that, but it would become overwhelming. It was seeping out of my relationships, you know, for us with friends and I was talking to people. I was a different person. And at that point, I really would just had to turn over and just like start reading different books. I had to start uh, Joyce Meyer, say that battlefield of minds. I had to find ways to try to release. I had people that owed me money and I'm calling them every day for the money because that money would I need that money at the time I was in a desperate place mm-hmm. and I'm glad I didn't do anything desperate that could have put me down a, you know a rabbit hole or spiral but like I had to gather myself up and use that same hunger and that same desire that I used to get into the NFL I had to use it to transition from the NFL into something else and I tried multiple things at first and I, none of them fit 
But when I started getting that acting, I knew it wasn't going to be a, a straight shot. You know, like some people just get a chance because of their name from the game. They just get a, a role. But I didn't have a name from the game. I had a conversational starter. But all I had was a work ethic that I had to keep working. It took me 14 years to get on this show that I'm on now. And I, you know, people are like, what was those you on? And they look back and they see you spot me on one other show, have, you know, the guest star there. And like, oh, I saw you on that. I say on that, you know, on the series that was on another show, you know. And it's just those things, you know, it was part of like the process. And it's still the process. The grind don't stop, it just changes. Wow. Isaac actor, former national football, uh, well, pro football player, and then uh, of course Morehouse grad Isaac Keys joining us here on the program. So you look at the last couple of years in terms of the draft uh, in, in from H, uh, HBCU players getting drafted. One this past year, you had, I think it was four uh, the previous year. You had, I think in, in 21, zero. Going back to 20, it was like two. All the, you're not, in other words, our players are not getting drafted. And my thing is, okay, when you get drafted, there's some guaranteed money there, you know, in terms of a signing bonus. You know, of course, there's always advantages, and you would know this best when you sign as a free agent. You can kind of go where you want to the point you made earlier about that niche and that right fit. Your thoughts on that, but I, th- I, th- I, th- I thought it interesting that you mentioned that it's a real thing that guys from bigger schools or ones that got drafted would play before guys that were from smaller schools or didn't get drafted just because they got drafted. Like, that's a, that's a real thing. I, I, that's a real thing. The thing is, it's, it's basically, you know, it has your bet. You know, I think these owners, like yeah, the front office have to still try to look good. And if they spend money on an investment of someone that doesn't necessarily pan out, they have to give everything they can into that, to, you know, saying an investment to say, okay, why it didn't pan out. Uh, Tom Brady had a, a interview before and he was talking about how, well, how am I supposed to break to start a record starting lineup if the player in front of me gets 20 reps and I get three? You understand? Like, so I get three, they get 20. So I'm learning. I, my, my learning has to be mental reps. My learning has to be more off the field and in the, in, the, in the classroom to make the best out of those three reps. And even then, it's three reps. They're still pressing for the other person to get it. And also, when you go to bigger schools, sometimes I think you have more of a, a, a network. A lot of these coaches um, are from these same schools as well, too, and they can be in, in an organization as well. So they're rooting for you. So it's like you just have to do twice as much when you come out of a smaller school. Not saying you can't make it happen. It's just some of those are the obstacles that you are facing, doing twice as much. And also, you know, I think it's deemed like my goal is like, I, you know, I, I was just underdog. I wasn't expected to go to the league. I was underdog. I was walked on out of college, played opposition my senior year in high school year. So I walked on to college. So I wasn't recruited. Ended up in Morehouse. I went to one school before that, North Alabama, because they had an organization, walked on there. Didn't care for the school at the time, so I went to end up going to Morehouse. Um, going to Morehouse, I couldn't play the first year. I had to sit out because they said I was a, an, be a Joe student because I transferred laterally. Found out later on that I could have, and then I played. I played three years at Morehouse, three years of collegiate football, pretty much to say that. But my goal was just to dominate where I was, you know, because I just wanted to play football. I love the game. I love everything about the game. I love the camaraderie. I love being part of a team. So I want to play the game. So my my suggestion is, people, is no matter where you are, you just have to dominate. You're going to have some different obstacles you have to overcome, but you just have to dominate. Dominate where you are, and then, you know, hopefully they'll come, they'll find you. You know, you got to, you know, these days now they have a lot of video. You can put a lot of things on Huddle. When I was there, we had 
the VHS with the static and stuff coming on, trying to make your highlight tape, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it is different, but you know, they can find you, especially now with all the you know, technology and everything now, but it's different, man. It's, it's, it's just like, you know, someone growing up in poverty, somebody growing up in a prestigious household, you know, it's like, you're going to have different obstacles. Can you meet the same place, but you're going to have some different challenges to get to that place. You know what I mean? So it's, it's one of those things and it's, it's life, but I wouldn't change anything about it. Cause I think it, it built me, it built me, built some character into me that I'm able to, you know, use at this day to this day. Absolutely. couple of last thoughts with Isaac keys who joins us here on the program. He's our celebrity guest picker. So let, let's get to that. Let's get to the, okay. you're a celebrity. Okay. Let, 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 let's right. run the games down. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't put your alma mater in this week, man. They just, uh, it's just not, it's just well, not. We're we're yeah. No matter what record yeah. we have. And right now we're in a very big rebuilding year over at Morehouse College. Uh, we, we have a new head coach and we're happy about him. He's a, he's an alma mater. He's came over from Rice College and we have a new AD and Harold Ellis, who was one of our prestigious uh, student athletes out of Morehouse College, was, you know, went to the NBA, tired jersey at Morehouse. So we're in a big rebuilding year. And uh, I'm accepting that because I had, I, you know, during conversations, I feel like we're heading in the right direction. Uh, now, I'm just saying, I, I'm just saying they should have, should have never, should have never. I don't. It, maybe it was a, a mutual parting of, way, of ways. Known Rich Freeman a long time, good man, yeah. good football coach. But that's that's another conversation for no, another. Rich, I, no, it's okay, Richard Freeman, great friend, a friend of mine is too, and he he did, he did right by the program. But you know, after a certain amount of time, you know, everybody has to move on. That's all it is, I believe. Okay. All right. So Howard at Harvard, who you got? Howard at Harvard. Um, you know, I, I think with that, of course, I want to go with my HBCU, but I actually did a little research on that. And right now, um, Harvard is kind of on a roll at the moment. And I feel like Harvard right now is going to pull out. Harvard actually started a season a little later, too. So right now, this is that tough part of the season where you're dealing with a lot of injuries. And, you know, that's tough. And you got to overcome that. And I think – Harvard starting their season a little later. I think they're they're a little more fresher at the present moment. Uh, so I'm picking Harvard in that game. Harvard in that game. Okay. Uh, Alabama A&M at Grambling. Alabama A&M at Grambling. That's always an exciting game um, down there. Um, especially being at Grambling. And at this time of the year, I'm going with Grambling on that one. Okay. Uh, FBS Realm, Indiana at Michigan. Indiana at Michigan. Uh, Big Blue. I'm choosing Big Blue. I, I've seen what they've kind of been doing thus far. They're building, getting ready for that Ohio State game. That's what they get ready for. So, and right now, I just think they have a little more firepower and uh, on a different alignment than Indiana at the moment. Okay. Uh, Auburn at LSU. Auburn at LSU and Death Valley. Um, you know, in that game, that's that was the one. I you know I, I was like, hmm. I want to think about that one. I think I'm actually I'm going with Auburn. I think Auburn's going to pull that out. Mm, okay. I do. I think Auburn's going to pull that out in Death Valley. I, I like a good upset. Okay. I feel like do it. All right. Sounds good. National Football League. Let's go. Um, line, well, let's go Colts at Jaguars. Colts at Jaguars. Jacksonville's doing some things right now. Trevor Lawrence is, is, is throwing that ball around a little bit, and I think they're trying to find a groove. Um, the Colts. Anthony Richardson, man, he's coming into this thing too now. You know, he's coming back. Um, and coming to wins. I am choosing the Colts in that game. All right, and let me let me get one more for you. Maybe your old. Uh, I don't know Viking. I mean, maybe one of your old teams. What the Vikings at the at, at the Bears? Any, any thoughts there? 
like I said, the Bears, I mean, the Bears are due for a win. I mean, Justin Fields is, is trying to throw the ball around, but he can't sit still because they're just going to give him time in a sense. So, um, and the Vikings the same way, though. And at NFC North, it gets really competitive. It's kind of any given Sunday. Um, but with the talent levels and what I think they can pull together, I choose the Vikings. Okay. Very good. So we appreciate those picks. Last thought, uh, or last thought, uh, and Isaac Keys joining us here in the program. We appreciate the time. What do you remember most about your days at Morehouse? Uh, I was just talking to my Morehouse mom the other day, and I think what I remember most is that, and I call her Morehouse mom because she was a lady who I met. And one thing about when I went to Morehouse is the registrar's office. That was like the, that was like the, the area where you cause all the, you know, you can, you can't, get, if you can't get it rich off the long lines and registration <laughs> classes and all that. So you had to find a way to get in there. And I was talking the other day. So my fondest, fondest memory is actually how I got to meet all my Morehouse moms who worked in the registrar's office. And I really did it off of just charisma and character. The line was all the way out the door. And I knew the gatekeeper was at the front of the, the, of the office. Right. I noticed she drank a Coca-Cola. I literally, I don't know where I got this from at that age. I'm, you know, 19, 18, 19 years old. So I went and got a Coca-Cola. And like the commercial said, it was, it was, you know, that was Pepsi, I don't know, but have a smile. I came from there with a Coca-Cola and a smile. I said, hey, I thought you might like this. And she looked at me because she was frustrated because that's the most frustrating office to work in. She looked at me and she, first thing she looked at me and she just started and she smiled. And at that point, I knew our relationship started. And at that point, I never had to worry about registration and classes and all those things again. So it taught me how to network. It taught me something about myself, to use charisma. A smile can go a long way. And how when you get to know people and they really love and care for you, how much and how far they will go for you. So that, and to this day, they're all my Morehouse moms, aunties, who you want to call them. Like, we're still family to this day. And we look forward to going to homecoming in, uh, in October. So, yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. So... Uh, again, we're not going to say the show, but I would invite you to check him out on his Instagram page. And then you'll know, uh, the show that he currently stars on. Uh, he is Isaac keys and he joins us here on the program. Isaac, appreciate the time. Great conversation, man. Continued success in all you do. And I appreciate you having me and you keep doing what you're doing. It's a blessing to be on your show. And yeah, man, let's keep on bringing enlightenment to sports and to HBCUs and this whole world. Let's go. Appreciate the conversation with Isaac Keys. Up next, we're talking with Maryland head football coach Mike Loxley. Boxtero.com is your source for conversations with and content on some of the biggest names in sports, HBCU sports, and entertainment. Boxtero.com. Aggies, you don't want to miss any games this season. Saturday, October 21st is a special game as the Aggies take on the University of Richmond. It's also Ag and State Fair Day. If you love the State Fair, then you'll love this game. And they will have a special treat. Join them for the ultimate tailgater cook-off, judged by Pitmaster's own Mo Kaysen. Participating sponsors will be offering carnival games, giveaways, and more in honor of Agriculture Day. The fun kicks off at 1 p.m. Get your tickets by visiting ncatagies.com. We track down the names making news in sports from the press box to press row. It's Donald Ware. 
from the press box to press row. It's homecoming in College Park, Maryland, and the Terps 5-1 on the season. And Illinois will come to College Park this Saturday in his fifth season as the head football coach of the Terps is Mike Loxley as he joins us here on Box to Row. What's going on, Coach Lox? What's going on? How are you? Man, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, I, I look, uh, you know, as a Washingtonian, and, and you look around, and boy, Maryland is 5-1. and one. I know you're coming off the loss against Ohio State, and we'll talk a little bit uh, about that. But, and I know you've had a couple of stints at Maryland, and when I was coming through, you're not that much older uh, than I am. Maryland football, it just wasn't uh, wasn't very good. What are, what are some of the things that you're doing differently, maybe, than some of your predecessors did? Yeah, I, I don't know if as much as what's being done differently, because as you know, if you if you followed the Terps like I did growing up in this area, you know the mid '80s Terps teams were really strong, one of the top teams along the East Coast, and you know winning winning three straight ACC championships, and so that's kind of my high school years. You know that's that's what I knew and, and came to love about you know my hometown team, the Terps, and. Um, so we've had pockets of success. Obviously, I coached here under Coach Freegen, and in his first three years, being able to have the success we had, uh, winning ten or more games, winning against Tennessee in the Peach Bowl, and playing in a BCS bowl game, the Orange Bowl against Florida. You know, I've taken a lot of that experience in terms of how and what we've needed to do to con- to get the program at least to where it is today and uh, again anybody that's watched us you know during the course of the last five years can see the 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 maturation of our program but you know what we're we still got some work to do and we're still not there yet and but I like this team I like the way they've responded Um, to me if there's anything that's similar it's uh, I think the chemistry and the culture of this team reminds me a lot of the the teams I was part of under coach Friedgen in his first couple of years here. Is it fair to say maybe that in the area, uh, the football uh, is, in terms of high school football, there's more emphasis, obviously it's a basketball area, but the, there's more emphasis placed on football. Because I look up and down your roster, it's mostly East Coast, but it's mostly Maryland kids that you're recruiting. Yeah, you know, I think that's such a misconception. You know, growing up, I, I can remember this area being known because, as a basketball area because of all the basketball stars we've had in this area. But I also know that this area wasn't mined and recruited the way it's being recruited in football now. And, and I'd like to give myself a little credit that wherever I've been as a coach, whether it's Alabama, Florida, Illinois, and then even back here at home uh, and New Mexico, that I've always come to this area to recruit because I always thought it was a under-recruited and underappreciated area from a football standpoint. You know, we keep hearing it's a basketball area, but, you know, every year we've got three, four, five schools in, in high school football programs in this area that are ranked in the top 25 in the country every year. Uh, you look at our youth football programs like White Oak and the Maryland Heat and Watkins programs and, and some of these programs that – go all over the country and compete against some of the top states and we we win championships so uh, i beg to differ that we, we we've got really good football in this area we've got great athletes great talent and you know it's played a major role with us in terms of the development of our program it starts with keeping some of these local players here at home and, and developing them to help us build this program yeah no i think that's a fair point so I would ask this, how are you able to keep them home? Because you're right, there have been great athletes, football 
uh, wise, but they have not stayed home. How are you able to do that? Yeah, not consistently enough yet. You know, and, and, and it's only getting harder. You know, one of the benefits of, 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 of me being from here is that uh, I have strong relationships in this area, and I've typically been able to recruit guys that fit the programs that I'm a part of, been able to recruit those guys successfully. But now with this whole NIL and the transfer windows and portals and instant immediate eligibility, uh, it's taken away probably the one strength I had, which was about relationships and, and helping people and kids like myself coming from the same environments I grew up in to, to take the next step is, you know, academically, athletically, and socially. And it's basically become really transactional. Um, and that's the part that we're trying to learn and navigate as we speak, because, you know, the days of coming to Maryland, because, Hey, I know coach locks is a good guy and he knew my uncle and he helped coach my cousin who went on to the NFL. That doesn't matter as much as, Hey, coach, what what type of NIL package are you putting together? And so what what I've learned is it used to be just on coaches to build programs and, and to do their part of recruiting and retaining the people in their program. Well, now our supporters, our fans, and the people that care about this program have the ability, you know, because of NIL to, to really help us maybe close the gap between some of the, the upper echelon teams or the championship teams in our league and, you know, that's what we're trying to navigate now and, and come up with a, a game plan for how to keep them here. Mike Loxley is in his fifth season as the head football coach at Maryland. He joins us here on Box to Row. Your thoughts, Coach Loxley, on uh, the game, the loss to Ohio State this past Saturday? Obviously, one of the things I said going into it was that it was a, a great opportunity as well as a, a great test to see where we were. And, you know, you come out of it, and we we obviously didn't pass the test because we didn't do enough to win the game against a really talented Ohio State team. And they're ranked number four for a reason, and, and to win on the road is always tough. But I thought the effort that our team went into the game with, the way we prepared, the mindset we approached the game with, uh, all fit within the standard. Um, but what we didn't do is uh, our best players didn't play uh play well enough for us to win and as a coaching staff we didn't coach well enough for us to win and that's you know on me to get that part corrected um us only manufacturing i think five explosive plays throughout the course of that game and uh them having i want to say 13 or 14 um you can start there and see that you know we didn't pass the test and didn't do enough mike loxley uh, is the head football coach at maryland he joins us here on the program uh, coach lox some of the challenges that illinois present yeah, I think it starts with the coaching staff. You know, I got a lot of respect for Brett Bielema, his staff, and, and the way he has built the program. I, I, obviously, I have a, a little love or affinity for the Illinois program as it was the place I got my first opportunity to be a coordinator. And, and you know, Brett's done a really good job with that program. They have some of the same issues and similar uh, issues that we have here in our program. But the thing that jumps out to me is defensively, this will be one of the better defenses we faced. I know their record isn't indicative of, of them, of where I think they are. Um, they're probably the best front seven we'll face. They've got a potential top ten pick in Jerez Newton there, number four, their D tackle, who's a big-time player. Um, they play a lot of man coverage, so we're going to have to win against man coverage. And their, their defensive back, end is probably
probably the best defensive back end that we will face or have faced this year. Um, I think for us on defensively, we've got to find a way to get after the quarterback, create turnovers, and then stop the run. Um, I can see them coming in wanting to shrink the game, run the ball, um, and limit our opportunities on offense, which means we've got to get off the field on defense and find a way to be efficient on first and ten and in and, and the first plays of drives. I mean – being from the city, uh, from Washington, in, in the inner city, having played at Towson, I mean, in essence, Maryland is the, you know, it's the big school, it's the hometown school in the area. I mean, how great is it for you to have come from D.C., uh, had played at Towson, and now be the head football coach at Maryland? Yeah, it's not a lot of people from the south side of the city that, that went to Baloo High School and grew up in the southwest section that are running college programs, and so... Um, I can say that it's a testament to the mentors and the people that believed in me growing up and gave me the resources I needed to put put myself in this position. And as I like to say, the game of football changed the lineage of my family, and and um, that's why I'm so grateful for it. And it's why probably why I'm in the position I'm in because I owe it a lot. And to pay it forward by offering these same opportunities for other guys that are coming through the same systems and same places that I'm from, whether it's the DMV or any part of the country where you're not always given these, these great opportunities. It's, it's, it's really rewarding for me to, to be a part of the Maryland football family, the university, obviously, you know, a strong academic institution like ours and where it sits right outside the most powerful city in the world. It's a hell of an opportunity to represent this place. Last thought, Coach Locks, and we appreciate the time I asked Charles Huff, uh, the head coach, of course, of Marshall. Similar question uh, last week. I think a lot of people will look at Deion Sanders um, at Colorado um, as a black man that's a head coach and say, well, if he does, unfortunate as it is, they'll say, well, if he does well, then it would, it would give other opportunities to other uh, black coaches. I, as I told him, I would say you, uh, he would be those people because you guys have been in the trenches. You've been assistant coaches and made your way uh, on up to where you are now. Do you feel a sense of responsibility? Do you kind of look at it that way in terms of the success that you're having where it will give other black head coaches or black coaches an opportunity to be a head coach? Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, when I talk about paying things forward, it's, it's no doubt that being able to show that we have the ability to lead, not just recruit, but lead and and, and put together programs that can go out and, and become championship-type programs, I think speaks volumes. And I think for others, if they see it, then it means you can achieve it. And I think seeing the success that, that Coach Deion Sanders has had out in Colorado and Huff has had and James Franklin and a bunch of the, the minority coaches that are, are in these positions, you know, seeing this success it definitely uh, hopefully motivates the next generation of Coach Loxes coming up through the coaching ranks that if you put yourself in the best positions, you study it, you prepare yourself uh, for these opportunities that, you know, we kind of set the standard that we can do it and it shows that we can because we're in these positions. So I definitely think there's a responsibility that comes with, you know, being a minority head coach and, and, and trying to have the type of success that we all are striving for. Mike Loxley, again in his fifth season as the head football coach at Maryland, joins us here on Box to Row. The Terps homecoming in College Park, going to host Illinois. Uh, coach Lox, appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Terps. 
Thanks a lot. Appreciate you for having me on. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Mike Loxley. Thank you to Isaac Keys for joining us today here on Box to Row. For more information on the program, log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support Yo, Box to Row is produced by DW Communications. Express yourself. Express yourself.